bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you can join us. I'm Paul Dragu. Here at The New American Daily, we've done quite a bit of reporting on our national problems. We've got debt so high that our imagination can't comprehend it. We got a border so porous that we have no idea who's here. An utterly corrupt president who is suspected of taking bribes from enemy nations occupies the White House. We have a deep state so emboldened that it's criminalizing everyday Americans just for having the wrong political views. And we have an international group of sophisticated criminals who work day and night to destroy the sovereignty of the United States and your individual liberty, all for the purpose of installing a global totalitarian order. A segment of the American people have been so demoralized, so brainwashed, so inundated with stupid and toxic ideas that they've turned on each other and their nation. We're also fighting insane, destructive, and anti-human social movements that seek to destroy what it means to be human and the stability of our society with it. We're in trouble. But that's not the full picture. There's another side to the story. There are good things happening. There are reasons to be optimistic, reasons to believe we will win. With Thanksgiving here, my colleagues and I are going to be talking about some of those reasons. So I'm joined by Editor-in-Chief of The New American, Gary Benoit, and Executive Senior Editor of The New American, Steve Bonta. Hi, guys. Hey, Paul. Hello, Paul. So I wanted to start out with the most obvious. It's Thanksgiving, and uh, we're filling our bellies with delicious food. Uh, we have our family or our friends. We have roofs over our heads. We, and if you're watching or listening, uh, it means you have a phone. It means you uh, have technology. It means that you have luxuries that a lot of people in the world don't have. And so I think that's the most obvious thing that we need to be grateful for those things because those aren't givens. They're not to be taken for granted. Uh, I've lived in parts of the world where that wasn't the case. And so I just want to start out with that. And I'm going to hand it off to Gary here and uh, see what you'd like to say that you're thankful for this Thanksgiving. Well, certainly I'm, I'm thankful for everything that you mentioned, Paul. And uh, just to draw that, that contrast, and you referred to it when you said you, you live in another part of the world where uh, obviously you didn't have, the, have those things. You're living under tyranny. But, but what a way to be able to fight for freedom. Uh, to be able to fight for freedom where you can meet, let's say, in a, a comfortable uh, banquet mm -hmm. hall, uh, to meet in a, a comfortable uh, living room uh, in homes uh, throughout the United States where chapters of the John Birch Society, the parent organization of the New American, get together. Yeah. Uh, what a way to be able to do that. And imagine other people uh, who fought for freedom under different circumstances. And we don't even have to look at other parts of the world. How about the American War for Independence, for example? Uh, how about uh, George Washington's men at Bally Ford? And they were fighting for freedom, but they were starving. Uh, and they were, were barefoot yeah. uh, in the snow. And uh, uh, what, a, what a difference. So, uh, and the fact that we have freedoms that we can use to, to save our freedoms. Right. The fact that we're doing this show, yes. I think, is something we should, should be Well, thinking. it shows we're not yet in full-blown tyranny. But, of course, that could happen, and it could happen sooner than a lot of people think because of the direction that events are, are going in. But nonetheless, the fact that we can still have this show, uh, the fact that we can still say those things that we uh, believe in, uh, that we can still uh, go to church and honor God and so forth, uh, so many of these things indicate that the fight is not yet over and that if people get involved, uh, that we can still win the victory. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the fight is anywhere near over. I've, you know, I, I think the debate is whether we're winning or not. What do you think, Steve? 
Well, I first of all, I'm grateful for the availability of books and information, I think, and that's a large part of the reason that we're still in the fight. Just to clarify, we're talking about the fight to save our civilization here. We probably shouldn't right. Not toss just a word our country, like that. Actually. Yeah, so, so I mean, <laughs> our country, our civilization, our constitution, our freedoms, our way of life, et cetera, is all kind of bundled in this, the, 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 the great cause, the, mm -hmm. you know, the Americanist cause that we espoused. Uh, more than, you know, it was 60 years ago now, mm -hmm. right? 60 years, it's been 60 years, hasn't it? Almost. Six, what, the JBS? More than 60 years. 65 yeah. years. Yeah, 65 right. years this year. Where does year time go? <laughs> yeah, time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, what was We've I saying? Been, well, you're grateful for I was grateful for information, information books. I, 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 I remember now. So, so the question is, you know, where do we stand in this fight? And it's, it's a hard question to answer because on the one hand, we have given an awful lot of ground, and we talk about this a lot in our show and yeah. in our regular news broadcast. The evidence is all around us. We are most definitely and non-controversially a much less free people today than was the case 50 or 100 years ago or even 20 years ago, pre-9-11 or something like that. So we have seen many of our freedoms constricted or done away with at an alarming rate, and yet, at the same time, thanks to the seemingly inexhaustible vitality of our culture and our technological and scientific development in particular, we keep developing more tools to expand our, you know, our, our ability to, to access information. And so the same internet and modern technology, cell phones and so forth, that at least potentially can and in many respects already are being used against us we can by use. the government, we can use against them, or perhaps better put, we can use on our own behalf, on the, uh, you know, to educate people about the cause of freedom and so forth. And this is something that was not, you know, a possibility so 25 much years ago. in the days of print, you know, prior mm -hmm. to the internet. And I would just say one more thing. I mean, it's nothing shy of remarkable that the American Revolution was able to take place, the American War of Independence, mm -hmm. in a day when, although books and printing existed and proliferated considerably in the old world, were very hard to come by in yeah. the new world. Uh, I have a, a large book collection. We have a massive book collection here that we frequently avail ourselves of and writing articles and so I forth. I love it. I love our library. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Jefferson and Madison were not only really good friends, when one of them made a trip to Europe, he would always bring a list of what the, the books that the other one wanted yeah. because they, they didn't have a Barnes and Noble or an Amazon.com. Well, or I heard like Jefferson that, so. had a heck of a library. He did. Though. Yeah. I, I like to add on to that because um, we are part of a, a growing alternative media landscape. And that's something I think we should definitely be grateful for. Uh, you had mentioned the internet. I don't know if it would have happened necessarily as it is happening because of the internet, but we're seeing trust in mainstream media dip. Uh, it's been it's been plummeting actually, but we're seeing trust in uh, what the mainstream media calls was it MAGA, MAGA media or whatever. We're we're seeing that increase exponentially, and I think that speaks to another thing that we should be grateful for, and that is an awakening. Because of all these things that have happened, you know, we've been reporting on them for, for since February. And of course, the, the New American has been for 30 years and the John Birch Society for 65 years. But, but we are now, I think we have reached a point where more people than ever, or a bigger segment of the po population than ever, knows that there is a, a plan, a, a nefarious plan for a new world order. And they're starting to push back on it. They're, it's becoming mainstream. I don't know if we've gotten mainstream yet, but I think... I think we're there for if, if, if we're not just approaching. What do you think? I, I think we're there as well. 
And I've been a member of the John Birch Society for a long time and on the staff a long time. And I'm going to date myself a bit here, but I actually joined the John Birch Society as a teenager in 1968. And back then, uh, a big problem was trying to tell people that there really was a problem, uh, that there really was yeah. a conspiracy, uh, a deep state, as we call it today, that uh, uh, was working and is still working to destroy our freedom and to create this new world order uh, where the architects of that conspiracy yeah. would become masters you guys of the, were kooky uh, back the universe. I, I know, but uh, we still to, are. today that, that really is <laughs> mainstream, Paul. And, and now I think uh, millions of people uh, maybe uh, think that something cannot be done. Uh, maybe they think something can be done, but they do not know what to do. And all we have to do is let them know that we're here and that we have the means, we have the program to save our country, to save our Christian-style civilization, and to join with us because with enough people, we will make the difference. Yeah, I think we're in a better position than, than we think. And I think part of the struggle that we're seeing, the pushback, the mm -hmm. censorship especially, I think the censorship is an indication that it's threatened by us. They don't, you're not going to censor. You're not going to, you're going to out yourself for as the authoritarians that you are unless you think it's worth it. And I think they think it's worth it because otherwise more people are going to find out. They're going to push back. And how can you take over tens of millions or a hundred million people who know what the game is? So after this, I do want, I want to talk about some, some victories that we've seen this year. Some, some of the best things, some of the practical victories that we've experienced at the John Birch Society, at the New American. So we're going to, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some really exciting things that have happened this year. Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com Welcome back, folks. So we wanted to continue talking about uh, some of the victories and, and the things that we should be... Uh, grateful for. Another thing I wanted to bring up is it's been a good year for uh, for the John Birch Society against the carbon capture pipelines. We've been keeping tabs on that. We've had, I think, South Dakota uh, basically block them. I believe North Dakota there. Uh, one of the companies just packed up and went and left the mid-state. That's a navigator. And again, that is a testament to the hard work of John Birch Society members and and supporters in general. I don't because I don't want us. To, I don't want to make it sound like it's just Birchers and whatnot. Obviously, we're bringing supporters on. We're bringing other people, allies in the fight, and so that has been pretty tremendous, hasn't it, Steve? Well, but it, it, it does bear mentioning that I think we were the first people to really shine yes. the light on this issue. Mm -hmm. This is one of our issues, and mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it's happened in the last year or so. It, it 
it was brought uh, to our attention by one of our members, I think, or one of our I, It may people. have been Tammy in Iowa. She yeah, and really, was she, she right? Like and we, we, we jumped on it and, it, sudden, and sudden, it mushroomed very quickly. And the next thing you know, but I got to say, caveat, we just got news today that apparently Indiana is the next battleground for this, for this thing. So it's, it's not necessarily going to be an issue that where, where the other side is going to give way easily, any more than the Constitutional Convention. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I mean, we have to be careful, Paul, because I don't know that some of these things we're never going to be able to say, well, okay, that's it, we're done, the battle is over, we've won. Because it seems to me that the battle between freedom and, and its enemies is, a battle? is an eternal one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I mean, Absolutely. using the term battle, is, I mean, the, the, the word battle implies sort of a beginning and an end. Mm. And I, I think it's more like a campaign, a sustained campaign that waxes and wanes, but we need to be ever vigilant. Eternal yeah. vigilance is the yeah. price of liberty, after all. But, but the point is, if people would have risen up, and we wouldn't have resisted. And we would have just listened to some of the, remember, some of the officials, I'm not sure if they were county officials. I know some were county officials. A lot of them were state officials. And they were like, look, it's out of our hands. This is a federal issue. They've already got their clearance and whatnot. And then, again, we reported some time back, uh, the feds were like, well, we don't really have any say as far as citing. We have say in other things. But the point is, if we would have listened to some of the uh, to some of the leaders, the officials, if our members, if supporters or whatever would have said, "Oh well, I guess we can't do anything," then then they would have just rolled with the, with this massive scam. But the fact that they wouldn't, the fact that Navigator had to pack up, the fact that uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, and I believe one or two other states deny their permits, that is proof that we can win. Right. Uh, like you said, it's not over. It's not over. The campaign is not over. But what it shows is it's possible to win. And when, when, we, when we get together and we organize and we mobilize against it, it's absolutely possible. Those are things that we really need to celebrate and be grateful for. Right, Gary? I, I agree completely. Um, and you put it very well. It shows what can be done. And it's just a matter of replicating that in other areas. Yeah, like what else should we uh, replicate it about? How about the... Um, the uh, the distrust that is growing, I guess we haven't replicated that, but mm-hmm. there is a distrust that's growing uh, toward big pharma. And that, I don't think we've had much to do with that. Uh, that has been obviously, that has been part of a silver lining. Well, you could say that's COVID. a reaction to government policy because uh, government uh, policy really is responsible for so many people who have died. Not, not COVID itself, but the government uh, response to COVID has been responsible for tremendous misery and tremendous death, premature mm-hmm. death, deaths uh, in America and, of course, throughout the world. And uh, as a consequence of what government has done, uh, it's caused a lot of people to open their eyes. I mean, can you imagine? Can you, can you imagine before COVID became a thing uh, that the government would close down churches, for example? but keep Planned Parenthood operating mm-hmm. because it's okay to get an abortion, but it's not okay to, uh, to worship, wor- worship uh, God. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you imagine clo- closing down a, a ma and pop store uh, while a big box store stays open? Well, I'm telling you to stay home and wait for your government-issued check. They, do, they destroyed so, thousands of businesses. Oh, I, I, I know. And, and also they came up with this terminology in terms of non-essential workers Yeah. and essential workers. I mean, what does that remind you of? Uh, uh, sounds like useless eaters, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, uh, well, these are the people who can eat and these other people are useless. Therefore, they're useless eaters. So 
we have our essential workers and our non-essential workers and mm -hmm. a lot of people open their eyes and and uh, i think that was a very very good thing yeah and i, I want to go back to the this this trust of big pharma because i think that's going to translate to a lot of things i mean now people are starting to question other vaccines i don't think anyone here is necessarily anti-vaccine but i'll be honest with you i do question a lot of the vaccines I doubt that all the vaccines that they pump our kids full of these days are necessary or they're good. So I think it's good to question that. And I think also people are assessing the food that we're eating, the food that that is in the store. This is a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I We try to be healthy. I've noticed that, you know, uh, we've grown, we've begun growing food. That's another thing that has um, I was going to I was going to bring up the Homesteaders Association, I believe, or something like that. I, I was I was reading just before we hopped on in here. They say that within the last three years, 41 percent of, I guess, homesteaders within the last three years are new. Wow. So there's a massive increase. And this is something that uh, that we know a thing about, too, huh, Steve? Talking about self-reliance. So it sounds like self-reliance is growing. That's a good thing, right? Well, I would say self-reliance is coming back. There was, a, there was a meme posted by one of my Facebook friends yesterday that showed a picture of a basement with a bunch of shelves full, full of you know, canning jars. And um, it said something like, you know, for our parents or grandparents, this was a way of life, and now they call it prepping. And <laughs> I, I had to laugh when I saw that because that's, that is precisely what, how I was raised back in the 1970s as a boy. Now, my parents were part of sort of the first iteration of this self-reliance movement, which was called the Back to Earth Movement. It was mm. actually inspired more by the left-wing hippie types and their environmental concerns back in the 60s and 70s than anything else. But it, it had the same result, namely that a certain number of people decided to leave the cities and the suburbs and, and buy farms. And the kind of, This is what my parents did in 19... Well, actually, in 1966, first in Maine, a rural farm, and then more more robustly, when we moved to Pennsylvania in 1971, they bought a mountaintop farm in the middle of nowhere, which, where our family still, some members of my family still reside there. And they proceeded to, you know, we raised chickens, we raised pigs, we had a garden, we did all these things. My mother did the pan, we had grapes, and we harvested all the wild berries, and we burned wood in, in, in pot-bellied stoves in the wintertime, which, by the way, is illegal in many places now in the United States. Really? Oh, sure. But things like Franklin stoves are, have actually been outlawed hmm. in many because they allegedly harm the environment. But anyway, that's, that's another... Another story for another day. But that's that nothing to be thankful for. No, well, that's what I grew up with. I mean, I, and one of my assignments as a boy was to chop all the wood and haul it up to the wood box on the, on the front porch uh, several times during the week on the big heavy toboggan and load it in and split wood in the barn and stack it up. So, so that to me seems perfectly natural. We did some hunting as well. And, and frankly, a lot of the other people who lived in the rural area that, that I grew up in in western Pennsylvania had similar lifestyles, relying heavily on, on trapping, fishing, and hunting to literally, yeah. as well as gardening, to put, to put food on the table. And what's happening now is a recrudescence of interest in, in this after, you know, a couple of generations of sort of distancing ourselves from that as being it's too scary, it's too primeval, it's too, it smacks of nature red of tooth and claw, and we want to insulate ourselves and live in this high-tech you know, science fiction world that we've tried to create, and now we're realizing, oh boy, but we still need to eat food. And self-reliance, the ability to, to produce these things and fix things and all the rest of this stuff 
is a big part of that. Take care of ourselves. Yeah, mm -hmm. my, my wife is part of a, a few gardening groups, and she's she's saying she's, there's a tremendous increase in, in people just gardening. Yep. And I think it could be as simple as that again. Even it, even the cities, uh, the, a thing now is yeah. people are-, are, are Rooftops the, and balconies. The, yeah, the, uh, square foot gardening, that term goes back generations also. But yeah, people do this stuff in the cities and, 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 and primarily just to learn the skill. Yeah. Not and, necessarily to survive on the tomatoes they can grow in a windowsill, but still. It's definitely an awesome trend. Well, hey, folks, speaking of self-reliance, the New American just released our latest collector's edition bookazine. It's called Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. Now, without individual responsibility and the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we can't be free. This polished collector's edition includes articles on a number of topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many others, including canning, like we just mentioned. The authors are experts in their topics. We encourage you to get a copy. You can order your copy at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. Next up, we're going to continue our conversation about being thankful. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration of Independence proclaims God-given rights, and we intend to protect them. Working with people like you for over 50 years, preserving freedom and building a better tomorrow, safeguarding the Constitution by limiting government power. We are restoring liberties, educating voters, and leading the freedom movement. Join with us. United, we will defend our rights. We are all Americans. We are the John Birch Society. Welcome back. So this Thanksgiving, we're talking about things that we should be grateful for. Uh, we started the uh, show with looking at this awakening. There, there is an awakening. There's more people awake than ever. They know what's going on. So that's a good sign. And I think that's led to one of the, uh, one of the signs that we're gonna talk about today. And that is this explosion of homeschooling. Uh, I don't know if it was with you, Gary, or with Steve. We did a, a show a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. The Washington Post uh, did a massive investigation or, or a report where they said that homeschooling is the fastest growing educational trend in America. And the statists are starting to freak out or whatnot. But that is an amazing trend because, uh, well, we know why, because we need those kids out of government schools because those are gonna be the next generation of patriots. What do you think, Steve? Well, I'm just thinking anecdotally, a couple nights ago, a friend from my church was visiting me, older gentleman's grandfather and great-grandfather and so forth and so on. And we were talking about this very thing and I was saying, you know, we don't want to be you know, we don't want to withdraw from society and so forth, but where school is concerned, there's almost no option anymore. And he, he said, yes, he said, my, uh, he, he referred to one of, one of his uh, children who's trying to find, a, you know, they're just disgusted with what the, the public schools have become so incredibly indoctrinating yeah. and so ideologically woke with all that that entails that and that's on top of the poor academic performance. Right, it, well, sure, all the rest of that. I mean, we, we were complaining about that a generation ago, but now it's so much worse. And he was saying, yeah, they're, 
They're, they were looking at it, you know, they're looking at it. What you do see is a lot of people now will say, for example, well, I'm Jewish or I'm Mormon or something like that, but I, I, I'm, I, and I don't have time to do homeschooling, so, but I'm going to send my kids to the local Catholic school or whatever. Mm. And I, I've known people that do that. Yeah. Uh, then, and, and obviously Catholic schools will, will accept anybody. That, mm -hmm. and, so, and, and other religious schools as well. So that's an option mm -hmm. that people are pursuing. The, the, the larger trend seems to be de-schooling kids where public schools are concerned, at least outside the big cities. A lot of people are, are, you know, are, are, are saying, well, put them in private schools, but if we can't afford that, or for whatever reason, you know, I guess we're going to have to bite the bullet and do what it takes. I mean, it's not easy to homeschool your kids. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of time and effort and dedication. But people more and more and more are realizing, wow, if I leave my kids in the public school system, by the time they graduate, yeah. you know, they'll, right. they'll be lost to me. But There'll be those kids marching and burning stuff. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, a lot of the Catholic schools have the same curriculum as the government schools do, uh, particularly the parochial schools. But uh, there are still good Catholic schools, and uh, those are the ones you'd want to find. Uh, there are good uh, uh, private Catholic schools uh, outside of the parochial system, and, and of course, uh, other uh, other Christian r religions. Yeah, uh, there are good schools as well. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, our Save Our Kids from Public Schools Action Project, we being mm -hmm. the, the John Birch Society. And we do warn that just because a school is, is a private school or a religious school, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good, that it's not going to necessarily use some of the same curricula that the public schools do. But I, I wanted to kind of go back to this homeschooling thing. Uh, the report had talked about how we went from 1.5 children pre-COVID to we're at almost 3 million. And uh, the mainstream media, the way it, it uh, the, 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 the narrative there is that it thought that be after COVID, those numbers would go back down to pre-COVID numbers. And they're, and they're like, these are here to stay. Yeah. Were you surprised, Paul? Um, you know, we are one of those families. We are one of those families that before COVID, we had our kid in kindergarten. We were in a small town. And I, I probably would have said a lot of the same things that, you know, I, I, my friends have, friends and family members, when, when we discuss these issues, they're like, well, yeah, but our district is different. Uh, you know, our district, it's a small town, whatever. And, and we've, we found that after talking to people and whatnot, we realized that that's not necessarily the case. Those perverted books that we've been reporting on, they show up in all sorts of districts and, and whatnot. But we ha have been immensely blessed. Uh, after home, beginning to homeschool our kid, he's, uh, you know, he he's chasing a lot of his interests. It's very tailored to him. He's got a lot of energy anyway. <clears throat> he was always getting in trouble anyways, mm -hmm. you know, because they wanted to sit him down for eight hours, and it's like, well, you, I think you've met my kid. He's oh, yes. not. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's not gonna. Kid. <laughs> he's not gonna. He's not gonna sit down. So anyway, well, I, I think what it is, Paul, is the government schools were not challenging him sufficiently. Well, that's that's because that's, Paul, I know you put him in FPA. Yeah, well, and uh, all of a sudden he just flourished. Well, we didn't. No, we didn't put him in FPA. Oh, I but thought you did. No, but I mean, my my wife does a terrific job, and she, mm -hmm. like so many other parents, have learned that we can homeschool. So it's been a huge blessing, and it it sounds like it's been a a huge blessing for for millions of people. Um, Another thing I wanted to talk about is the victories on the ConCon, Con. uh, the JBS victories against the, uh, the effort to call a constitutional convention. We've been tremendously uh, victorious this year in every legislature where Convention of States, which is the main uh, proponent of calling a, a convention of states, as they call it, 
they've gone in legislature after legislature, and most of them have been red legislatures, by the way, because they kind of lie, and they say that the main reason they're not winning is because of the left. It's not. It's the right. But that's another thing we can really be thankful for. We've been fighting this con-con for decades, and we are doing really good. And I think uh, I'm hoping that we reach a tipping point where uh, they just can't gain any ground anymore. Well, I think uh, we're pretty close to that point, if not already there. But uh, I'd like to underscore, Paul, the importance of preserving our Constitution, because we do get a, a con-con, a, a modern-day constitutional convention, uh, with the uh, conspiracy at work and, and uh, with a lack of understanding on the part of, of so many people, uh, we could end, out, end up, as a result of that convention, of uh, uh, throwing out the, the present-day Constitution, the one we've had since 1787, and replacing it with something far worse where we lose our, our freedoms. And, but uh, by keeping the Constitution intact, yeah. uh, when, when uh, the understanding is created where we can get back to the Constitution again, we do have something that we can get back to, right? Yeah. We can go, go back to that document. Uh, we can look upon it as a fortress. We can man that fortress once again and use the Constitution, use the Bill of Rights, uh, insist that our uh, lawmakers... Uh, uh, stick by the Constitution that they have taken an oath of office to mm -hmm. and, and through the Constitution be able to save our freedoms. But if we throw out the Constitution and get some kind of socialist yeah. uh, document, some kind of Marxist document, what do we have to go back to when the people regain their senses and regain their understanding? Right. And speaking of the Constitution, uh, I know that, Steve, you've, you've looked, you know, you've done some reporting on this, too. We have... We, are we seeing an increase in constitutionally obedient lawmakers? Because I believe we are, right? Well, I think so. It's been an uneven record, but certainly if you look back to, say, the early 90s, at the beginning of the Clinton era, and you compare this Congress, the last several Congresses, frankly, mm -hmm. with the Congresses back then, including, you know, the Great Republican Revolution Congress led by Newt Gingrich and so forth, that we realized, I think, here at the New American pretty quickly was, was, was more of a Trojan horse than anything else. In fact, they tried to foist a constitutional convention on us, mm -hmm. calling it a, what do they call it, a conference of the states or a convention of the states or something like that, under the aegis, uh, the rubric of the contract with America. And it was, well, okay, well, that's maybe that's the conservative solution. We want to see the constitutionalist solution. And today, a generation, more than a generation later, I think the, the change has been quite dramatic. It hasn't reached the critical point yet because we have about eh, between 25 and 40 fairly rambunctious and you know, constitutionally faithful Is it that people many? in the House. I would say overall, I mean, you know, if you look at the people in our Freedom Index who consistently get north of 80%, mm -hmm. 90%, it's somewhere in that range. Sure. It fluctuates a little bit from one from one year to the next, depending on yeah. you know that and, and this this kind of thing, but um, it's definitely the overall trend has is upward, but we're we're a ways away from where we need to be. However, these people aren't coming to office in a vacuum. Yeah. A generation ago, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Matt Gateses, the Chip Roys, the 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 Andy Biggs wouldn't have made it anywhere near. They wouldn't have made it past the primary if they'd even bothered to run. So what is that a reflection it of? It tells you that we, in many areas, certainly by no means everywhere, but in many parts of the country, 
we are getting a better and better informed electorate. Yes, and that's been a result of all the hard work, at least in part, of, of John Birchers and the New Americans. So that's definitely something that we need to be thankful for because we could be on the verge of, of major changes in Congress. We'll be right back. In 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the U.S. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly, some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists. Is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of control, immigration invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com slash outofcontrol. Welcome back, folks. So, Gary, can you think of anything else out of all the things that we should be grateful for? Well, regarding all those things, certainly we, we got to uh, point to, to God because we have none of these things without God. And as a matter of fact, we would not have our, our lives. So, you know, let's for, not forget that God created us. But uh, God also created many other things. He created uh, animals. Uh, uh, he created the the earth. Uh, he mm. created trees and yeah. Uh, I want to go back to but, us uh, though because <laughs> and I want to go back to to us too, uh, because I want to draw a contrast between these uh, between other creatures mm. that God created and and human beings because uh, human beings are unique in that they were created in the likeness and image of God. Yeah, uh, they were created. Uh, where we, we have free will. And uh, God, of course, hopes we choose uh, to do righteous things, but we have the ability to uh, uh, do otherwise, and oftentimes we do, which is why we have a world uh, marred with, with sin. Uh, but God keep us, gave us uh, capabilities. He gave us faculties. Gave and us uh, we're, we're not, uh, we're not uh, robotons. Yeah. And uh, you know, we were talking uh, earlier about uh, self-reliance. Well, could a tree have self-reliance? Can a dog have self-reliance? But people can because we can use the gifts from God. We can use the faculties he gave us mm -hmm. uh, in order to become self-reliant. Yeah. And uh, we can use those things to, to worship God, to do what is right, to, uh, uh, and to do our duty in all areas of our lives. Uh, of course, duty to God, uh, but also duty to our, our families, uh, duty to the country, uh, duties uh, to our employers or an employer doing duties uh, uh, toward his employees and yeah. whatnot. Yeah, I, I want to. I don't. A little sidebar there, because as as you were talking, I was thinking about the fact that you know we work here, and I, and I believe God has brought us each over mm -hmm. here. And I, I'm grateful for the fact for for my colleagues, the people that we work with, the organization that we are part of. Uh, I believe the JBS was was divinely inspired in some way. I, I believe, uh, you know, Robert Welch. He saw something that was true. He saw a danger that was true. He saw something that was happening. And, and I don't believe that God was uninvolved in that. I know that a lot of the Birch members, you know, they believe in God and, and, and we've been favored. And so I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to work with Gary and Steve and uh, 
Kyle back there and so many other wonderful people. What about you, Steve? Well, I, You're I, not I, so grateful to work with us, are you? <laughs> no, no, I would echo that sentiment. I'm, I'm, I'm slavishly grateful, if anything. Yeah, sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's Thanksgiving is one of those holidays that ought to have a higher profile. And it's probably in part because in general, in the, the modern age, we really are guilty collectively and individually of the sin of ingratitude. Mm -hmm. and, what do we, and, and why is this so? Because we have so much. We're spoiled. People complain about the most trivial things. Yeah. Truly, the most trivial things. People get upset and, and they, they, they fail to realize how truly wonderful. For example, we might be tempted to complain if there's a, if there's a glitch in, in the recording of this show or something like that. We get all of a sudden. And, 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 and then and neglect the fact that, well, we actually can do this show. Yeah. There's this thing called the Internet, which has been assembled over the last several decades that allows this remarkable new uh, dimension mm. of human intercourse, not just within our country, but all over the world. And it facilitates things that, you know, when I was young, I, I loved learning languages, for example. And when I was young, if you wanted to really learn a foreign language, you had to pay a lot of money and spend a lot of time living abroad. And now, thanks to the Internet, you can learn languages online. You can get friends in other countries, converse with them without spending money to, you know, or, or whatever. I mean, and that's just one dimension that I'm familiar with. Most other people can look at that and, and see. So, you know, on balance, we have so much to be grateful for. Another thing I'm grateful for, in spite of all the issues with medical care that were mentioned earlier, <laughs> oh, yeah. is modern medical care. Oh, that's Warts and all, you know. I mean, speaking of warts, I mean, if you... Getting a wart removed today is a lot easier than it was 200 years ago. Oh, Getting I, a tooth fixed, an abscess taken care of. Oh my um, goodness. Th these kinds of things. I mean, I can't imagine what it was like in the old days when they, they pumped you full of liquor and hoped that that would dull the pain of whatever it is they were going <laughs> they to cut off. you down, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, in the, like in the Civil War and the battlefields, they literally had amputation tents. If you got shot, mm. pretty much they'd have to amputate the, the limb. And they had stacks and stacks. I've seen pictures of stacks of human limbs. Yeah. They just got cut off without anesthetic, you know. And today, of course, that's just, I mean, you know, the, the son of, um, of President Calvin Coolidge, Calvin Coolidge died after getting a, I think, a blister during a tennis match that got infected and he died. He was like 20 years old or something like wow. that. Wow. Calvin Coolidge's son. Yeah, it was yeah his that's son. Right. And so, I mean, that would be unthinkable today. Obviously, there are still people who die prematurely. There, there are issues. Certainly, the world is far from perfect. But this is, if not a Panglossian situation oh. we live in, at least it is a... Uh, probably the best world that's been seen in a very, very long time, certainly in recorded human history that we know about. The Every time. And, you know, and so, so we're tempted to say, okay, well, let's focus on all the ain't it awfuls, all the problems, and they are legion, and yeah. we do have serious problems that we, we talk about every day, them, yeah. that we need to focus on, and yet, if we neglect the other side of that and forget to take joy in the bounty that God has given us in, in, in this unique time that we live, then I think we are guilty of, of, of sin and by omission. Absolutely. I mean, every time I go to the doctor, I had a, a slight procedure done, uh, on, you know, nasal procedure or whatever. Details, I, details. No, that's it. That's as much as you get. But <laughs> apparently that's too much anyway. Forgive me. But I was, you know, I was so grateful because, you know, they, 
they were able to do things that you know, without uh, you know without numbing me up, it would have hurt. I've had dental procedure like most people. It's amazing what they can do when they numb you up and take your teeth out and all that stuff. It's terrific. Another thing you know that reminded me of is now, nowadays they numb you up to numb you up. They didn't even do that when I was a kid. Oh, they yeah, gave you a yeah. shot right <laughs> in the gums and that initial thing. They do. Well, it's yeah. going to pinch. Now they put a topical thing yeah. on it, so that doesn't even. Hurt. It's awesome. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to touch on that reminded me is modern transportation. Mm. A lot of people, it's Thanksgiving. They're traveling. They get to travel across the country. Maybe they travel across the world to see families. That's not something that would have happened 200 years ago. You know, 200 years ago, if you want to travel, you're, you're going to risk your life, <laughs> you know. But modern transportation is terrific, whether you're doing it by car, airplanes. Obviously, airplanes are relatively safe and whatnot. So there's a lot of modern technology that I, I am grateful for. Uh, we keep bringing up this place. It's like this wouldn't be happening without that. Uh, you know, if we don't have a... If we don't have a TV deal, whatever, it's like you in the past, you wouldn't be able to, you know, you, you self-publishing. That's another thing. Uh, there's a lot of things that right. modern technology has made, made life a lot easier and awesome. Right. And essentially you could say it's a great equalizer. And you might compare this to uh, the firearms. Uh, you could have a little old lady, uh, you know, maybe 90 years old. And <laughs> there's this big brute. I think brute, there's a meme about uh, what big, you're about big to Big brute, uh, you know, is going to uh, attack her. and But she has a firearm. So yeah, the great uh, that's equalizer. the great equalizer. And yes. uh, you could 45. say the same thing with regard to publishing. Uh, you could say it with regard to the uh, Internet uh, specifically, where a small group of people are able to get out uh, information uh, to spread the word and organize people without having all the resources of, let's say, the New York Times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are in a position to, I think, mount the biggest revival in, in a long, long time, uh, you know, of, of, of whether it be a faith-type revival and a political revival. I think, and that's because of the technology that we have, the, right. the ease to which information can now spread. As much as they try to make that not to 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 stop that to right. put obstacles in that uh all right guys we got a minute here i'm gonna give you guys a few last seconds say what you're thankful for and then we're gonna wrap it up and go eat turkey well let me end by saying i am thankful for the uh, the john birch society uh, in particular and in general for everyone involved in the freedom movement oh, that's uh, because i think ultimately that is going to make the difference in fact i i know that is the case uh that people uh, uh by getting involved uh, will make a difference and change the course of history for the better. Thanks, Gary. What he said. Plus, I like birds an awful lot. Oh, yeah. You just, <laughs> You're yeah, a bird watcher. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. And if you haven't already, get a subscription to the print edition so you don't miss out on analysis that you cannot find anywhere else. We hope that you enjoy this Thanksgiving with your fa family and friends and enjoy your turkey. 